If you've ever found yourself feeling guilty about anything and like, who wouldn't that be? Today's study is just for you. We're going to open up the Bible to John chapter 19 and talk about how through faith in Christ, we are declared not guilty. Thanks for joining me on Bridges today. I'm Monica Schmelter, and today, right now, uh, we're going to just pause from our daily activities or whatever we're doing, really, to study God's Word. We're in John chapter 19, and we're picking up in the place where Jesus has been arrested, and He's going to be crucified, and we're in that place where Pilate is involved, and Jesus is about to get flogged, and so Understand that the place that we are, you know, Jesus' mission, of course, on earth was to seek and save the lost. And that mission is still continuing today, even as he's in with the Father in heaven. But his three years on earth is wrapping up. And now he's to the really the hardest part, the part that he calls the cup of suffering that's been handed to him. And what we'll see in John chapter 19 is that he willingly takes from that cup even though the punishment, the beating, the abuse is so harsh beyond really what any of us could understand. We read about it. You may have seen uh, one of the films that have been made about Jesus and the crucifixion, but really uh, none of us would know exactly what he went through physically and spiritually. But it's so good to study so that we can understand the price that Jesus paid so that you and so that I, so that we could be declared not guilty. So it starts out in verse one there. It says, then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked. And they slapped him across the face. Pilate went out again and he said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, Here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priest and the temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. So those words, not guilty, are the truth when it comes to Jesus. Pilate is speaking the truth, and yet, in such a sense, he's saying, I find him not guilty, but you go ahead, you take him yourself, you people, you crucify him. So he's like saying Jesus is not guilty. He recognizes the truth, and yet... He's willing to allow others to crucify him, to take him, and to do what they say needs to be done. So the Jewish leaders then in verse 7, they respond. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. So they're really telling Pilate, hey, there's reason to be crucifying this guy. And verse 8 says, when Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back to headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? Jesus gave no answer. Why, won't, why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power 
to crucify you. Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, if you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement. It was now about noonday on the preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. The leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. That whole dissertation is rich with so many different elements of leadership, of the fact that Pilate sees the truth, that Jesus is not guilty, that he's not able for whatever reason. I mean, he's frightened because he hears the people say, well, Jesus is calling himself the son of God. Pilate realizes he's involved with something that's bad and that's wrong. And he feels like he can just kind of wash his hands and say away with him. And the people are only too happy to do that. But Pilate knows that Jesus is not guilty. So they take Jesus away and Jesus is carrying the cross himself. And he goes to the place of the skull, which we know in Hebrew is called Golgotha. And it's at that place that they nail Jesus to the cross. And scripture says, as you look in like verses 17 down to 20, it talks about that there are two others crucified with him, one on either side. And Pilate puts up one of the, one of the signs on the cross that says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And so all the people could read it. The leading priest object to what Pilate has written. And he said, he wants, the people want the sign to say, I said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate is like, no, what I wrote, I wrote. So on this issue, Pilate is unbending. But the thing is, Jesus is still on the cross between two people. He is dying a brutal death. And he is dying in biblical days, what would be considered a criminal's death. So as we live our lives, and we go through life, you know, on fallen planet Earth, and we face our challenges, and we deal with the weight of sin, having been born again by the Spirit of God, and yet still dealing, still having a sin nature that has to be um, taken control of by the Spirit of God. We have to not allow our sin nature to rise up and to take over. So we have that weight, we have that battle. But we look at this great battle on the cross and Jesus being crucified. And we see that, you know, the robe that Jesus is wearing is a seamless robe, which speaks of his unending reign. And these soldiers are going to gamble for Jesus' stuff. And they decide that they don't want to share the robe, like they don't want to tear it apart because it's seamless. And that symbolism is rich.
Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Because the kingdom of God cannot be destroyed. It cannot be ripped apart. Yes, the gates of hell are trying to do that. But this robe that is symbolizing his reign, even these soldiers know, oh, we're not going to rip this apart. So they decide instead, you know, to gamble for it and, you know, throw dice for it and see who's the winner. And this fulfills the scripture that says, so look with me down Later in verse 24, it says, This fulfilled the scripture that says, They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So you all just think even about those prophetic scriptures that point to the fact that on this crucifixion day, that the word of God is unfolding it's coming to pass. And yet people are so caught up in the heat of the moment, in the heat of this crisis, in that mob mentality that like nobody sees that everybody is far too busy doing what they think is the right thing to do. And how many times in our lives are we so caught up in the crisis or this problem that we need to solve and that we're so fast and we're so hurried that we don't take time to reflect on God's word that would illuminate to us really what's next, what that should be, what's happening. If any one of them would have just recalled those prophetic scriptures uh, that are being fulfilled, even about casting lots for his clothing, someone might have bowed out, stepped away and said, I'm not going to have any part in this. And yet that didn't happen. It says, though, in John 19, verse 25, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Again, as we've studied the book of John chapter by chapter in context, you see that, you know, from about chapter 13 on, Jesus is preparing for the final, final few weeks, days of his life. He's setting up his disciples Here's what you need to know. You guys need to be prepared. Things are going to get very bad. Don't let it 
Don't let it cause you to lose your faith. He's protecting, he's preparing, he's shepherding. And even in this moment where all the disciples have scattered, just the one that, that is called the one that Jesus loves is there. And he looks at his mom, the woman that birthed him, the woman that gave him life. And he's concerned for her. He's concerned for her well-being, for her welfare. And as he's getting ready to save the world, like he's getting ready to take on the sins of the world, and he's thinking about his mom. And he says to his mom, you know, he says to John, you know, this is your mother, mother, this is your son. He makes sure that even his earthly relationships are cared for. And I want us to pay special attention to, as we talk about not guilty, that Jesus' mom and these people that are named are the ones who stood with Jesus to the end, their faith. You all, this had to be the darkest day ever on planet Earth. The amount of darkness, the amount of demonic activity, the amount of political unrest, the mob mentality, even the worst images that we've seen on TV today of wars, of tragedies, of murders, of horrific houses burning down, all of that, none of that can compare to the amount of evil that is being unleashed. And yet we see Jesus' mom at the cross and the sister Mary and Mary Magdalene and the disciple that, that he loved. Everybody else has walked away, but they stand. They stand with Jesus. And I think of in the book of Luke 2, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Mary and Joseph, and they've got the Son of God, they've got baby Jesus, and you know, the wise men and the shepherds come to adore him and they present gifts. And it says that Mary pondered these things, that she treasured them in her heart. And I have to think on this day, this very dark day, as she's watching her son be slandered, be accused, be beaten, literally beaten to death, dying, that she has to be pulling from that treasure in her heart of that she gave birth to the Savior of the world that he was going to save the people from their sins. And that would be all that I could think possibly that would allow her to stand on such a dark day. I mean, she's risking her own life. She knows everybody hates her son, the son of God. The son that she helped raise is losing his life. And so while we see betrayal, while we see, you know, all kinds of demonic activity we see hellish behavior. While we see all of that, we also see people of God standing. And so in this day and in this time of our world, we also can stand in that kind of faith if we treasure God's word and hold it in our heart. And then in our dark times and our challenging times, which are nothing to be compared to this day, really, but we pull from the treasures in our heart. We hide his word in our heart that we might not sin against him. And so she's pulling from this treasure and it allows her to stand on the darkest day of history. And then verse 28 begins to talk about the death of Jesus. It says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. 
A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they spoke, uh, soaked a sponge in it. They put hyssop, they put, uh, and they put, put it on a hyssop branch, and they held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. So truth number one for today, the words, it is finished, are the very words that declare us not guilty. He finished his assignment. And for all of us, while none of us have the world changing, the world mission that Jesus had, we have just a small part with its challenges and with its blessings. Because of Christ, we can be declared not guilty by faith in Christ. All of this suffering, all of this mob mentality, while the enemy thought he was winning, God was working in and through it so that we could be restored to right relationship and so that we could be declared not guilty. So truth number one for today is it is finished. Those are just sweet, sweet, sweet words. And those words declare us not guilty when we have faith in Christ. And so we go from that place to the place where soon these bodies will have to be taken down from the cross, taken to the tomb. Typical in biblical days, what they would do to hasten the deaths of people, the criminals that were dying a criminal's death on a cross, is that they would break the legs of those on the cross and that would hasten the death. But again, there are those prophetic scriptures that say that not one of his bones will be broken. And so when they go to break his legs, they realize he's already dead. Remember, they didn't take his life. He gave it, he gave it up willingly. He bowed his head and said his work was done, and he said it is finished. So for him, they didn't have to, they didn't have to break his legs. Scripture already said not one of his bones were broken and that they will look on the one they pierced. And so some of these people, as they look at him, they realize that this was not just anybody. This had to be the Son of God. The way that he died, it wasn't like a normal criminal's death. And what I want us to see as sad and as heavy as all of this subject is, that our Savior had to suffer like this, that his mom had to watch this. This cup of suffering is what wrought our salvation. It's how you and I can be declared not guilty and stand as if we've never sinned before God the Father. It's because of Jesus. And so there was permission given for... Um, Jesus' body to be embalmed and following burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body in sheets of linen cloth. They did everything to the letter of the way that it should be done in that day. And again, that's very important, very, very important that everything was followed precisely the way that it should be. And it says there, let's start here at verse 38. It says, afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, 
asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body, to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following the Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body uh, with the spices in long sheets of linen. The place of crucifixion was near a garden, and there was a new tomb that was never used before. And this also is critical, and it points to that there, there is no one like Jesus Christ. It was a tomb that nobody else had ever had. He died a death that no one else has ever died. Yes, people have died. No one else has ever died completely innocent of sin. And he's the only son of God. So it is only fitting that he would have a tomb that had never been used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. And so, this John chapter 19 leaves us at this place of Jesus being in that tomb. And if that was the end of the story, we wouldn't have any hope. But it's not the end of the story. And truth number two for today is the sufferings of Christ are our victory. So if we have faith in Christ, all of the sufferings that he went through bring us victory. Pilate was completely right when he looked at Jesus and he said, not guilty. But now if Pilate would be around today, he could look at any one of us and say, you are guilty because without Christ, we are guilty. So what I want us to see today is that in the life of Jesus and even in the death of Jesus, he laid his life down and he was fighting for our victory. His suffering was for our good. The sufferings of Christ are not just to suffer. They are not just to be miserable. God, when suffering even comes into our life, when we trust Christ, it's never that that suffering is just to take us out, to pummel us, to destroy us. It is that the character of Christ can be formed inside of our life. So this suffering of Christ wrought for us this victory so that we can be declared not guilty. And truth number three for today is by faith in Christ, we are declared not guilty. So many people, even, even if they're not what we would say devout Christians, will go to church, for example, on holidays like Resurrection Day and Christmas. But Resurrection Day, and we'll get to that in John chapter 20, is it's the day that changed everything. It changed the world system. It changed the penalty of sin because it eradicated the penalty of sin for all who are in Christ. And for those of you who are watching today that maybe your life has been racked with guilt, shame, whatever else, debilitating emotions, 
understand that by faith in Christ, you are declared not guilty. Whatever it is that you've done or you should have done that you didn't do, that all of the wouldas, all of the couldas, all of the shouldas are absolutely obliterated by faith in Christ. This death on the cross, this attention to detail, even to the point of Christ saying, I am thirsty. All of that is fulfillment of the scriptures, the casting lots for his clothing, not breaking his legs, the brand new tomb. You all look at even the men that came to ask for permission to take his body down from the cross. It says one of them feared the Jews. It said the other one came to Jesus at night. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The goodness of God in our lives, that when we come to him filled with our own sinfulness, with our own fears about what will people think and will there be a penalty if I, if I name myself a Christian, if I say that name of Jesus, how will people regard me? Will they think that I'm a hater? Will they think that I'm close-minded? Will they think this, that, or whatever? And all of that, it's a part of the human experience. It's a part of what we go through. But if we have determined to follow Christ by faith, then as his disciple, we count it an honor to be persecuted for his name. And any cup of suffering that would come our way, well, God never says we need to jump up and down and be excited about it. There are times that we have to face it and walk through it with faith and obedience, much as when Jesus said, to Peter, shall I not drink from the cup of suffering? And again, it's so important to understand the cup of suffering is not because God loves to make people suffer, loves to make people hurt, and loves to make people miserable. Because a lot of people live like that. Well, I just think God is looking down in heaven. He's just waiting to catch me to do something wrong and just bop me over the head or do whatever. 
The suffering came upon the only one who knew no sin so that he could pay the price for our sins so that by faith in Christ, we could be declared not guilty. Here's the thing. The only one who was ever really truly not guilty was Jesus. Pilate recognized that, but refused to do anything about it. He was just like, you know, I'm just going to hand him back over to you. And if you guys think he's guilty, you do what you do, which basically was just him abdicating any bit of power that he had. But God, God still met Jesus. Jesus laid his life down. We come to this place where they've put him in the tomb. It looks like all hope is lost But you'll have to join me for John chapter 20 because all hope is not lost. The day that changed everything is coming really soon. But as I leave you today, I want to leave you with today's truth. And that is, by faith in Christ, we are declared not guilty. You don't have to live under the weight of guilt or shame anymore. By faith in Christ, you are declared not guilty. I am all out of time today. I've got to go. But I say goodbye and God bless you. Don't miss another episode of Bridges. Subscribe to our YouTube channel today where you can find all of Monica's latest teachings. Just visit youtube.com, search Monica Schmelter, and click subscribe. Once subscribed, click the bell icon to get notified when a new episode is available. Thanks for watching Bridges. Log on to www.ctntv.org where you can make a prayer request. Find your favorite local show. Watch one of Monica's latest teachings. And submit your event to our free community calendar. You'll find this and so much more at www.ctntv.org. Don't give in. God's Word says you're an overcomer. It takes training. It takes discipline. And so when you're fighting that good fight of the faith, you take your story, whatever it is, and you saturate it in faith and you fight for it. Visit monicashmelter.com to schedule Monica to speak at your next event. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad to listen to more abide christian meditations just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for abide christian meditation you can also download the abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com